Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. My guest today is Elnaz Saraf. Elnaz is a serial entrepreneur with over 15 years of experience in technology, business, sales, and marketing. Currently, Elnaz is the CEO and founder of Royby, an investor-backed ed tech company focusing on early childhood education that recently raised $4.2 million in its seed round. Elnaz is also a board member at the Consumer Technology Association Small Business Council and was one of Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2019 and also has been named to 2019 CNBC Upstart 100 list as one of the world's most promising startups. It doesn't end there. She was also named by Fast Company's 2019 World Changing Ideas and many others. I'm so excited to have this conversation with Elnaz. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. My guest today is Elnaz Saraf. She has 15 years experience in technology, and I am so excited because she is also a fellow serial entrepreneur. We all know that it takes a lot of perseverance and resilience in today's world to be an entrepreneur, but to span over decades, that much more. So thank you so very much for being here with us today. Hi, Casey. Thank you very much for having me and Royby <laughs> on, the, on the call. I really appreciate it, especially at this time. So thank you. Absolutely. So talk to us about Royby. I know that this is your baby. You've written up, you've been in Time Magazine, you've gotten a lot of accolades worldwide. It is your personalized education resource that kind of focuses on early education, childhood learning. Talk to us a little bit more. What is Royby in your words? Thank you. I, I really like it when you say it's my baby. And to be honest with you, it exactly feels the same way. Because, you know, when, when you start a company with, with a mission to truly impact, you know, either it's education, it's children, ultimately it's humanity, you put your entire life in it. It becomes your not life, it's baby, family, everything, <laughs> including, you know, your team members. But well, we started the company about three years ago. Education also is very personal to every and each member of our team. We decided to have an impact in education industry because of a lot of technology issues that you see in the education industry. But we also have a lot of experience dealing with parents and we are so fortunate to get a lot of information from them because of my past company. Company, which we have baby monitors. I spent over five years with parents so I could pretty much understand the pain points, what they're looking for. Then three years ago, my team and I decided to start Royby, which is an AI-powered educational robot for kids in language learning and basic STEM. 
we decided to use advanced technology, which is artificial intelligence and machine learning, to truly focus on the child's ability and interest because we believe no longer should be one size fits all and every child deserves to learn based on their ability and interest. It's a very big mission. We are uh, literally in the beginning, but gradually making progress. We launched the product last year, end of the year. We got a lot of traction. As you mentioned, we were featured on the cover of Time magazine as one of the best inventions. And I have to say, I was truly shocked. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, I know. Amazing. When I was reading it, I was like, this is incredible. I mean, it's Thank really you. congratulations. Thank you. You know, when they told us that we got the award, we we're so excited. But until they announced it, we had no idea we were on the cover. And oh my God, it was amazing. <laughs> wow. I hope you have that framed in your house somewhere. <laughs> yes, everywhere, actually. <laughs> in the house, my bedroom, everywhere. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. So I have a question for you. You said you did a lot of market research, which to have any successful product, we really need to understand our ideal client, what they're struggling with, and how we can be that solution to the problem that they're dealing with. So I love that you did that market research and that footwork. I'm not surprised with all your experience of being a successful entrepreneur. One of the questions that I have for you, though, is what kind of resistance did the parents have when it came to handing over education to AI, which is still relatively new? Yes, that's actually a very good question. And we still actually see resistance, but you know, with any new technology, it's just a matter of time. I even remember a few years ago when iPhone came out, you know, I, I still remember a lot of people were saying, oh my God, this is really bad. It's bad for your health, for your social environment, and so many things. And today, we personally, at least, we don't go even to, to sleep without the phone. <laughs> so things change. It takes time, but people are getting more understanding that the change is needed. The future is going to be completely different. We like it or not, AI is going to enter the world, you know, our lives. And the best way is to actually start learning what it is and how it can actually help us to help our children, to even help us save time, save costs, and even do many things that maybe we couldn't do fast enough in, in the past. So based on these changes that we see, it is getting better. I remember three years ago when we started, when we said educational robot, even the word robot would freak people scary. out, right? Yeah, scary. <laughs> but now it's actually getting better and then we, we are positioning ourselves more as a like a companion product ultimately it's a toy for kids you know for us it's a robot because it is intelligent but just giving the discomfort to parents that it's not going to take over their world it's actually just going to help them learn better because we can assess their progress with AI <laughs> so it Absolutely. is getting there gradually <laughs> I love that. Thank you for that explanation for sure. And even though your product is geared towards children three to seven, your client is still mom and dad. And I think that one of the best ways that we can pacify concerns or objections is through education. So I'm curious, Elnaz, because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, so they have an entrepreneurial mindset. 
it would be really interesting to hear about one of your marketing strategies of how to pacify mom and educate her so it normalizes AI and she sees the benefit of Roybee. So what I can say based on our experiences, it's basically trying, failing, and then trying again, and something is going to work. I remember when we actually launched our crowdfunding campaign last year, we were so confident everything is perfect. We spent five months gathering subscribers, doing a lot of research, designing all kinds of things. And in just first two days, we were like, oh my God, the five months of all that work is like nothing. It's not working. (laughs) So it's like literally we have to change our marketing messaging, the campaign at least five more times. In the first two weeks, we were constantly trying to see what works. As I mentioned to you, we understood that if we use the word robot, it's not going to sell because people somehow are scared about the word robot. Then we started talking more about, okay, it's a smart toy. And then gradually we we tried to position ourselves based on that. And also we started reaching out to people that they, they were the very first ones, even like seven people only, that they bought Roybee in the beginning. We started asking, why did you buy? And based on that, we gradually understood the pain points, why we even, you know, exist what they think because normally as founders and people that build the product we are so much in it sometimes we don't understand what the customer really wants and that's how we actually started getting our messaging better and reshaping so many things from our content to again messaging the way that we were communicating with people and that's my my only suggestion really because it's just by trying and trying and just getting there. And it's always a matter of change. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I think it's so very crucial because nowadays people can see glossy Instagram feeds Mm -hmm. and Facebook ads that talk about seven-figure launches and people are looking at things as a quick fix and it's really not that at all. There are so many iterations and gyrations. I'm really curious. I can hear hear the passion in your voice, but I'm really curious What do you personally do to persevere, to have the confidence to try it, not one, two, three, or four times, but to shift and pivot and remold the clay five plus times and still show up with energy and excitement, enthusiasm, and confidence? I just really think if you do something that you really, really love, (laughs) it doesn't matter how many times you try, ultimately, you know, it's going to work. And I think it's also based on experience. When seven years ago, I co-founded with my co-founder, my first company, pretty much I was a different person, but the experience showed me that I have to be patient and give it a try different ways. Even if it fails, it doesn't mean, you know, it, it was bad. It's just a lesson. And as we, we move forward, things change, things get better. And personally, that's what I believe. And also, I really believe that change is necessary. You have to adapt to change. And if you don't, actually, a lot of startups fail because either day they are too late to understand this concept 
or they think, okay, this is it and it has to pay off. But no, look at so many big companies, what they were in the beginning and what we see they are after like eight, 10 years, it's just quite different. The gene is the same. The purpose is the same. But maybe the product, the whole solution is totally different. <laughs> Absolutely. And being flexible and resilient, bouncing back, shifting, that's what really makes a thriving professional, a thriving entrepreneur for sure. It brought to mind two things. One, Nelson Mandela's quote, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And I think when you adopt that mindset, you're going to go really far. I feel that from you. The other thing is, and I don't know how many iterations Dyson, the Dyson founder had before his vacuum took off. I think it was like over 2,000. I can't even imagine. But those are so inspiring. When you hear those stories, they're so very inspiring. And it's, it's truly that perseverance. Yeah, I love it. I love it. What do you attribute your kind of like biggest piece in your life that keeps you balanced? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to say because, you know, especially when you, you start a company, so much goes into it. But what I also learned is that work never ends and it's really up to you to try to balance your work and life. I don't think I'm a good example of that, but at least I try to remind myself that I have to, you know, take some time to balance my life, personal life and also work life. And I found that when I do that, it helps me to even be more creative, think differently, come up with solution that I didn't think about in the past. Because if you keep working, working, it's yes, it's amazing. It's your passion, but it is also exhausting, right? (laughs) Your brain needs some time to even balance, right? That's what I found. It's like I I try to remind myself and sometimes my team actually reminds me. That's awesome. I was wondering if you, your support staff was like, hey, Elnaz, you know, like time to take a break, time to eat lunch. Yes, actually we do that. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because I've interviewed over 70 female entrepreneurs. I don't think anyone when it comes to the work-life balance question has said, I have this under control. I have aced this. (laughs) Everyone really across the board generally says what you have said. I'm not the best example. I'm mindful and I'm working at it. Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Business Thrive, a step-by-step business building online course. Thrive Business Thrive takes you from a concept to paying clients in just 16 weeks. If you're tired of doing it alone and trying to piece together your business by watching one YouTube tutorial after another and following multiple experts, it's time to plug into a tried and true plan. Thrive Business Thrive focuses on results, increasing your impact, and moreover, establishing the foundation needed for a thriving business. To learn more about Thrive Business Thrive, your blueprint to create a flourishing business, visit caseyrossi.com slash thrive. That's caseyrossi.com slash thrive. I'm curious, what are a couple signs that you start to feel you're pushing past your personal edge and you're starting to encroach on burnout? 
I could really feel even now, you know, I, I think on the level of like having so much energy, you know, when I compare now to five years ago, I can see it kind of had an impact on my health. I would constantly get sick, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I really didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything, but I could see that's a sign from my body telling me you should really change this or the outcome is not going to be good. Seeing all these gave me this, this feeling that I need to start taking care of myself because every person in the company is so important. If me or my CTO, my other partners, team members, if anybody have any sort of like health issue, God forbid, it's going to impact everybody. And that's not the way to, to succeed in business. So we have to take care of ourselves. I learned that. <laughs> so now when I feel kind of tired, it's like I am really pushing myself to finish something and then get on. Like, you know what? It doesn't work. I have to take a break. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think for high functioning entrepreneurs, we're fighting against ourselves because we love our work so much. I can very much relate to this. I've had burnout and fatigue in the past and it's something that I'm continually mindful of. That's why I'm so curious about edge questions because sometimes we don't know we've passed our edge until we've hit the wall and it's like too late. (laughs) And interestingly enough, when you have a team, you're really who they're modeling as well. And so I love that you said there's a ripple effect. So if you can model taking care of yourself and having as close to the work-life balance as we can, some people say that that's a farce, but at least we keep aiming towards balance and joy and ease. That ripple effect is so powerful, whether you have a team of one or a team of 20, they're looking at you to model normal and productivity because no one wants to feel like they're not putting their best in and, and meeting expectations. Exactly. You know, I, I hear a lot of CEOs, they say, oh, their staff work almost like 24-7. It has to be that way. Okay, I understand some organizations are so big that the whole concept is different. But for me personally, it doesn't matter to us how many hours they work. You know, it has to be productive. And in something that we do that is so creative, it doesn't make any sense to force people to work like eight hours exact or from eight to five. No, we, we have engineers. They actually work at night. They are never up in the morning. We are fine with that. You know, the, the work gets done. They are very creative, very passionate. And I think that actually makes a difference, at, at least based on our experience. I love that you mentioned that. It makes yeah. a massive difference. I love that when people can have confidence to create the canvas the way they want it to look, it's so exciting. We don't have to be in the box. And it just, it really goes to your creative energy anyway. And in fact, I was just having a strategy session with a prospective client before this meeting. And she was saying, well, I know I'm supposed to, you know, send out five cold called messages on social media. And I just don't want to do that. And there was this whole list of shoulds. And it was like, when we talked about having permission to be the creator of your own life, you could see her just be like, I get to do that. (laughs) So I love that you said that because success can look different in many different ways and it doesn't fit into the box. And especially in creative arenas, nine to five with standard black and white thinking is the opposite of what we're trying to cultivate. 
Yes, yes. I'm excited to say that we, we do things differently. Even if you come to our office, the energy is so different. It's unfortunately I'm at my home office right now, but at our office, so colorful. We, we have so many like little things here and there. People are working at the time that they, they want. We do meet the timelines. Everybody knows they are responsible. So that part aside, it's just a very different experience. And I really recommend everybody to start thinking differently. You don't need to be following others. You know, if something works for someone else, doesn't mean it's going to definitely work for you. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that wisdom. I love that. And I'm happy that you mentioned that you're working currently out of your home office because I wanted to ask you, I know that we're all finding our new normal, coming up with different routines and dealing with this global pandemic. I'm very curious because of your primary focus of the digital learning space, Mm -hmm. if you could share how COVID-19 has impacted you and your business. Definitely had an impact because one good thing about our business is we do remote uh, working anyways, because we we have team members in different locations in China, India, our partners are in different parts of the world. So it wasn't something that I would say had huge impact, but we realized that we also need to make some adjustments because we had some new team members, they didn't know how to deal with this. And that was one of the impacts. But the very positive impact is, it sounds funny, but it looks like a downtime, but it's not because we, we decided that we need to accelerate our development because we truly need to help children, parents, educators. And for what we do, it actually turned out to be a very good time to help us to actually help them better. So that's an amazing impact, I, I would say. And we see 100%. a lot more attention towards Roybi and what we are doing. And now a lot of people realizing remote learning is necessary. You know, we are not saying that uh, stay away from people, but we are saying that, you know, it's a necessity and we have the tools to help. Other than that, the logistics, I would say it's not so good. When you do shipments uh, all around the world, that had a huge impact on our business. Prices went up like crazy. And at some points, it takes like a month to get one unit to to some people and hopefully gets better. Other than that, business is a little bit slow and I can see it everybody. So I would say don't panic. (laughs) Everyone is in the same boat, but I see it's getting a little better. It's like people got out of the shock. (laughs) Absolutely. After the first month, it's like, now what? You know, it's now it's really like, now what? You're right. The the shock and denial has slowly started to to fade to some extent for sure. I mean, online learning, remote learning, it's here to stay. I personally think it's just going to keep growing. We saw this massive interjection with the global pandemic, but I think that it's just going to continue to grow. It's so convenient. I'm a huge fan. I always teach my clients how to diversify their portfolio and to do it in a sustainable way to include some sort of online programming. So I love that. If you were to have a prediction about online learning or anything as we move deeper into 2020, what would it be? 
I, I really believe that it's going to change the entire face of the education system, at least based on my area of expertise, is that I can see that uh, gradually, even the classroom settings, as we see today, is going to change is going to move more towards digital learning, virtual classrooms. And again, these are all being supervised or created by the teachers. We, we only give more assistance to, to teachers, to parents, but it's going to save time. It's going to save cost. And one really good thing I, I believe is going to happen is to allow children to have even more time to play because children learn better by playing. And we hope that happens gradually. And these are the impacts that I can see is going to, to happen. But more and more people are realizing that remote learning is necessary. Add AI to that to make it personalized. It's, it's going to be a huge trend over the next few years. Absolutely. And I want to also add that adults need play as well to cultivate <laughs> creativity. I don't think it's just for kids. And to that point, to that point, I'm so curious because one of the first things that I thought of when I saw one of your YouTube episodes when you were talking is when I heard that it was for ages three to seven, my first thing was like, oh, wow, I wonder if she's going to do it for a different age bracket. I have a niece that has some learning challenges that I thought this would be so cool for her and she's 10. And when I was scrolling through some of your YouTube comments, I noticed that that came up where, oh, are you going to branch out? And I'm curious, are you are you going to branch out for older? Yes, gradually. <laughs> we are actually really excited about that. As we add more content, languages, as AI gets mature enough to carry on a little bit longer conversations, you know, with adults, because Adults, the way we talk is very different than how children talk. Much longer sentences and a little bit more complicated way that we talk. So as we can gradually go past by those technical difficulties or limitations, gradually, yes, that's our plan. And uh, it is actually very exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. Good. Well, I'm super happy to hear that. You were a pleasure to have on the show. I would love it if you could leave us with some bright light wisdom before we close off? I would just say focus on your passion, what you want to do and make a difference in, in this world and keep moving forward no matter what happens. It's pandemic. It doesn't matter. In every crisis, there is an opportunity and believe in yourself and everything will, will be fine. <laughs> Beautiful. Elnaz, thank you so much. Like your passion and your perseverance, it's truly an inspiration. And I know that our listeners and our viewers are going to be inspired by you as well. Thank you so much. much. Thank you. Yes. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.